Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Hey guys, this is Kale Lowry. And this is V Rivera. We're the hosts of Baby, Baby Mama's, Mama's No, no Drama. Drama. Every Tuesday, we talk about parenting, co parenting, lifestyle, and sex, pop culture, current events, and pretty much all the things you want in one podcast. So download and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Listen to us every Tuesday and join us with all the tea. Did you know that all Podcast One shows stream 24-7 at LiveByLive.com and on the Live by Live app? With the Live by Live app, you'll get podcasts, the latest breaking news, the best handcrafted music stations anywhere you go, all for $3.99 per month. And I have not mentioned the live events yet. Live by Live streams the biggest events on the planet, including the FIBA 3 on 3 basketball tournament and Live by Live's Music Lives Baller Fest, November 12th to the 14th. Get it all with a free seven-day trial. Go to livebylive.com forward slash Drew. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. Uh, as always, uh, keep the winds in the sail of this pirate ship, everybody. Support the people who support us. I'm wearing my public rec pants now, right now, Gary. I don't know about you, but I one time now. It's like ridiculous. You? I'm wearing them. Yeah, I'm wearing I mean, the shorts. That, They're I, the greatest. It really is interesting how much so a lot of the products here become a part you, of my life. You announced to me that I was going to love public rec. I bought five items. I, I, I know. I know. So... Uh, and the many, many stuff we try to try to get behind here that we like. So please uh, help support it. And also check out uh, Dr. Drew After Dark. Check out uh, our stream at drdrew.tv and um, all that good stuff. The Adam and Dr. Drew Show. And of course. I think you guys, those, those of you here in the Kroll platform know that one. So today, Ryan Holiday is back. The new book is called Courage is Calling, available on Amazon. It's been out since September 28th. Uh, is also you can see his podcast, the Daily Stoic, or you can hear it, the Daily Stoic podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Ryan's podcast, Ryan Holiday, H O L I D A Y dot net at Ryan Holiday. My friend, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Of course, uh, he he. I, I love the fact that uh, this morning he's all upset because I got lost in my writing. I'm the, that to me, that's a, g- a good thing, not a bad thing. It's what we're writing about. Uh, I'm, I'm working on the, the sequel to this one, which is about, uh, self-discipline. So I was writing about, uh, self-discipline, which ironically, uh, includes a chapter on time management, but I, lo- I just lost <laughs> the, the irony is not lost on us. So this book, I love this book for a multiplicity of reasons. I, I called him right away and I said, this is the, this is a good one. This is one of your big ones because not only does it hit the mark as you always do, but I've been saying since the beginning of the pandemic, it's, it's time for courage, not fear. And we have weirdly, sure. we have weirdly gone into this hysteria, almost delusional hysteria. I, I feel like the the general personality of the country has gone from narcissistic to to histrionic. They really, I think we. I don't know if the the if it's something about you know what happened in our family systems and our childhoods, or if it's just the pandemic that kind of temporarily pushed us that way. But the. I, 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 was, I remember early on I was signing up to work in ICUs and things like that. I, I was in the interview process. By, by the time they were ready to pick me, these these waves would pass. You know, they never ended up mobilizing all the people that they were yeah. planning to mobilize. Uh, but I and my sons were like, well, what are you doing? I go, look, this is the time you step up. This is, this, this is the time. You step up. And, it's, sure. and, I, and for me, y- y- let's talk about courage for a second and, and, and that I find – Fear is there, but when it's time for courage, it's not. 
it's not as evident. I, I don't. I had a weird emotional sure. experience. You know what I'm saying? And I'm guessing you have stories to sort of back that up. It's that, that when it, when you have a skill, your column comes. You just step up. You're, you you know, it's of course it's scary, but you you don't hesitate, right? I think that's right. I yeah. mean, if if there wasn't fear, then be uh, heedless. That be heedlessness, as Aristotle says. Yeah, sure. But but even like if you weren't afraid, there would be no courage required to do whatever the thing is, right? right so right. fear is the sort of first thing. That's the recognition that the stakes are high, that something is wrong, that something needs to be done, uh, that this isn't normal or, or what, whatever it is. And then I think courage, as they say, is the triumph over that, or mm. it's the decision to proceed despite that. Mm. And, and yeah, as you said, Aristotle famously says that the opposite of courage is not only fear, but it's also fearlessness, like recklessness. So I think it's, it's like, if you don't feel fear, like there are people who I think biologically yeah, there's some something that can happen where you don't feel any fear at all Corolla. those people don't have sort, long life expectancy sort of corolla he sort of he sort of doesn't feel fear he doesn't feel anxiety he may feel fear he doesn't feel anxiety yeah. which is eh, psychopaths do that too anyway so not later for for later conversation <laughs> yeah but I, yeah like, it's it's a, it's it's the triumph over fear ultimately so yeah. it's it's the decision to go despite the reservations, like if it was guaranteed, like if I said, Dr. Drew, we need you to work in, in an ICU, uh, but there's zero danger, it will all go well, and everyone will applaud you for it, it would still be maybe important for you to do. It just wouldn't be a courageous act. Wouldn't require courage. That's right. And so how did you come to write in this book? Why did you sort of feel this is the next one? I know you had a series of virtues yeah. in mind. It, was it just happened that it was this one and then history colluded with you? Uh, a little bit. I, yeah. I was setting out to do this series on the cardinal virtues, um, courage, temperance, justice, wisdom. And typically when they're listed, courage is the first one. Mm. Um, but I, I could have done them in any order. Um, I felt like courage is the best place to start. First off, because all of the other virtues inherently require courage. Um, but also it does feel that as timeless as the idea of courage is, there is something very timely about it. And I started the project in the fall of 2019 or the summer of 2019. So I had no idea, obviously, where the world was going. It just ended up being more timely than I thought. But I think... Uh-oh. You froze for a second. Let's see if you come back. Gary. Oh, there he is. Hang on. Sorry, Gary. did you lose Hang me? On. You froze for just a second. You start yeah. with, I think, and then you froze. Sorry, I think as as timely as courage is as a virtue, or sorry, as timeless as courage is as a virtue, it's also a very timely one. Mm-hmm. And I think we struggle uh, politically, culturally, even in the business world, we struggle with uh, deficiencies of courage. Mm-hmm. And we need it, we admire it, and yet it's very, very rare. Is it? Is it? Is it rare? I, I don't want to think that. I want to believe it's uncommon. Is it really rare? I mean, I, I, I feel like that's two ways of saying the same thing. Yeah. I, I guess it's, it's, it doesn't have to be rare. It's not like a, I feel like a rare, natural I, resource. Yeah. It's just not common enough. Okay, not common enough. I'll grant you that. And, and what did you say you're writing on now? You're writing about self-control? So, yeah, so the next discipline is temperance. But temperance. I, instead of – temperance is not a particularly exciting topic. And so I'm looking at it through the lens of self-control, which is what I really think that the ancients meant. I, I suspect that's true. But as I, I, the reason I sort of asked you that question is it's intriguing to me how frequently people that are struggling with temperance who have a problem with temperance yeah. talk about courage. 
Sure. They, they always say it took courage to do this. They, they feel like it was a courageous move, which is fascinating that you don't think about it that way. Well, it's it's uh, th- yeah, you could be lying to yourself about it, but also just let, let's let's go to the the context of what you're talking about. Let's say you have become intemperate. Your life has been consumed by an addiction, by a compulsion, by reckless behavior, uh, or, or or even just something like depression. I, the courage to be like, I am having trouble. I have a problem. Right. I need help. Right. So courage is not just running into the the a burning building or an ICU or the battlefield. It's also just like I'm struggling. Well, it's it's a little more specific as I hear you talking about it. What they will say is pe- people with these diseases need or are very focused on controlling everything, right? Yeah. A- and the feeling of <clears throat> being out of control or helpless is anathema to them. And usually that that what they have to come to is I'm out of control, I need help. So asking for help and admitting you're helpless or out of control, those those are the scary things. Well, and just the courage of uh, giving up control when you have it, right? So if your life is whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, chase any pleasure, any urge, and then um, however that's working for you, if someone goes, no, you have to give all of that up. If you want health, if you want happiness, if you want family, if you want success, you have to leave what you know, what you've gotten not just comfortable with, but literally addicted to. Right. You have to leave that behind for this so, thing. So grief, there's a grief with that. It's a death. And as you know, the first step is you know to courageously look at uh, how how much how we're out of control. How we've lost control of everything. Or and and I mean, you look at almost all of the steps in recovery. They yeah. each one requires courage yeah. in some respects. Even yeah. like the inventory, right? Yeah. Like oh yeah. Part oh, of the yeah. reason we don't want to stop or make changes is admitting that we're wrong or having to look at the shitty things that we did to ourselves 100%. and other people. Like, 100%. I'd rather continue, not look backwards, not feel the consequences of my actions, and just keep going. It's it's as reckless as it is. It's less scary. But it's so interesting to me that, you know, I've been working with that you know, instrument all these years and I've not thought about courage per se as as the, a, a first order uh, uh, sort of focus, something, something you've got to have in order to do these things. And, and yet I've heard them say it, my patients say it a million times. And it's to me, the reason I, I frame this that way is it's so familiar to me that Stoics bring stuff to the fore that I had not thought of as belonging in the four, if that makes sense, yeah. or, or that or bringing to consciousness things that we should have in consciousness that helps us, and yet somehow it's not in in our present in our in our present mind. Well, C.S. Lewis said that uh, courage is every one of the virtues at their testing point, hmm. and I was trying to think about what that meant. Like, okay, so for instance, to be temperate in an intemperate world that requires courage because it means different, and then as we're talking about to to leave intemperance behind for a new life, that that's hard. Justice, I think we understand the courage of a Martin Luther King or a whistleblower or, or someone who's like pursuing a cause. We, we understand that injustice often reigns. And then so to insist on justice uh, requires courage. But I was like, well, how does wisdom require courage? Mm. And then you think about it, like, what is the scariest thing in the world? The scariest thing in the world is truth. That's why cognitive dissonance, that's why misinformation, Ooh. that's why all these things exist. It is to uh, shield us from the unpleasantness of truth or the the implications of truth, right? Once yeah. you get to the information, this goes to, back to the idea of recovery. It's like once you get the info, 
then you are compelled, if you face it, to change. Yeah. Yes. And and if you deny it, if you pretend you don't have the information, then you don't have to change. It, it, I, I think your wisdom, it, it's again, I did not expect wisdom to have the sort of bring to the fore cognitive dissonance. But I think that's your way into wisdom because uh, it, not only is that – a prevailing phenomenon today, cognitive dissonance. So it's, again, history colluding with you. Yeah. Um, but it is a really interesting way, a new way maybe. I'm sure the Stoics have already done it, but it's <laughs> a new way in for the modern mind into the idea of wisdom. Because wisdom, you know, there's the internet problem of wisdom, right? Information versus right. wisdom. But this, this really it's kind of uh, both emotional and a um, – a wiring issue in our brain, the cognitive dissonance. It's both those things over there. Totally. Um, <clears throat> feedback, criticism, yeah. you know, uh, information that that you would then have to act on is, is terrifying. And this is why I think we construct, to go to your point about the internet, the reason we construct these information bubbles and these filter bubbles is because it's really unpleasant to be challenged. Like if you believe X, if you have voted X, if you have donated money X or spoken publicly about X, and then I give you information that says not only is that probably not a good thing, but it may well have been a bad thing. You may have been complicit in a bad like, like let's say take something like the Warner Act. I think most people now can admit that it was a mistake, right? And and I was young, so I don't. Uh, I, I was explain what it like, is, people. The war, the war in Iraq. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, just the most colossal uh, misjudgment of of American policy, probably in the last 30, 40 years. Yeah. Like we we went in to get uh, because we believed that they had uh, weapons of mass destruction, and then they did not. Yeah. So, um, but people to, may not so know it. Off, as, just, may, may not know it as that act. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. So to so to come around to the fact that it was a mistake is uh, that's hard to do, mm-hmm. especially if you voted for it, you were a supporter of it or whatever. And people died for it. Well, that, and, and so, hard. but the real reason you can't wrestle with it or you won't wrestle with it enough mm. is that if you really look at the, uh, it wasn't a mistake, it was a profound injustice or historical, I mean, to really look at the body count of that mistake and the collateral damage and the consequences and the blood and the treasure, it's almost... Uh, unbearable to think about, right? And so we shy away from that. We don't want to know. Like, we don't want to see the pictures. We don't want to know. We don't want to talk about it because not just is it unpleasant, but then there is the creeping sense that we are complicit, Mm -hmm. right? That we, I think this is also true with our, some of our racial reckoning. This is why we're arguing over how you teach slavery in school. You know, do we want to teach the founding fathers as good guys who also own slaves or do we want to reckon with just how central the institution was to their lives and how how brutally and directly like let's say Thomas Jefferson was involved it's easy to go Thomas Jefferson had some illegitimate children but then if you force yourself to be like no Thomas Jefferson was raping this lady uh, who he owned in bondage and could effectively kill without legal repercussion again the these these truths are uncomfortable and unpleasant. I'm going to even pile on that harder because people will go, no, no, no. They had a relationship, Sally. Sally, and It's like, yeah. Right. You ever heard of Stockholm Syndrome? <laughs> it's like right. it, it, it happens. And that's what that was. 
Yeah, she got, yeah, she got to see Paris. Good times. <laughs> it's like, right. Well done. Well, and and he owned he owned her children, right? Yeah. So like he yeah. effectively had hostages. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and and this isn't to say that Thomas Jefferson should be thrown out. That that no one that he did nothing. Well, that, that's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. The, the, the history is messy and full of horrible people. Just everywhere, yes. all, constantly. And so I feel like we're reckoning with that in ways that we don't have a good. Uh, Again, I hope we look to the Stoics or somebody because we just don't have a good sort of process for it. Well, to, to me, the thing to take from that study of history, and this goes back to courage, it's very easy to be like Thomas Jefferson was a worthless hypocrite. You know, blah, 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 right? Go through the thing and write all these people off. But really, I think the study, the wisdom and courage combined go, what injustices am I complicit mm, unthinkingly in it. today? Yes. Right? Like, Yes. We say that as we wear yes. uh, a T-shirt made in a Uyghur uh, sweatshop. How about in this? China. How, how, of yeah, where our iPhones are all complicit, and you guys giving it up? Well done. You exactly. Know, yeah, that's so, exactly right. And 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 we don't even know how it's going to be seen through the lens of history. Maybe as a result of it, something wonderful will happen for humanity that will be looked upon as well. At least they at least they uh, took that risk for a little while, you know, as opposed to. Oh, those horrible slaves! You know, they they took the products of slaves, and they they didn't think about it. Can you imagine living like that? That could be us in the eyes of history. And so, I think you have to have the courage day to day to be like, okay, look, I probably can't solve this enormous systemic issue, but how can I individually try to improve? You know, sort of what I do. Or another thing. Let me ask. Go ahead. Finish that. I was just going to say, like you, you go like LeBron James. You know, he he doesn't want to speak up about. You know what's happening in China because he's worried about losing his endorsements. Yeah. Well, it's like, of course he is. Yeah. But what are you? When have you ever risked one dollar of your professional earnings or your reputation to speak out about anything? Yeah. Right. I'm not saying you don't post things on Facebook. It's wonderful that you do. But the question is, when has that ever been done? When there was a potential cost to you or a huge, so the huge is, cost like LeBron. Yeah. Huge or, or potential cost. Yeah. Right. And so the, the, you have to think about it, not just from this judgment, but like what, what actions are you taking from it in your own life and your own behavior? I, I would argue the really rough navigation, if you really are doing it carefully, <laughs> I don't know how you do this is you know, let's say you're LeBron and you yeah. go, I, I can't disentangle. We made these deals. Maybe I could do, you know, I will just accept that that's what I put myself into. Let me focus on doing good elsewhere. Can I balance right. this out with some something? And, and I, I, that's not a, this isn't a math equation. You know what I mean? It's a hard thing to do. And I don't know how people navigate that really. To, to their that, own, that also is, is requires. it just have to be, is, is the, and this is a really interesting question from a Stoic standpoint. Is, is there some magic scale out there that we have to sort of try to, get right or do we have just no access to that and just do the best we can and it's going to be flawed we're not angels that's it i I think what you're talking about is like being an adult right or being in a position of leadership or power it's it there are no easy decisions and you look at this in stoicism uh seneca uh is in exile uh he's been unjustly sent to the middle of the the ocean which which time uh, this is the second time. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and he's, you know, he's he's lost his job. He's lost his livelihood. Life sucks. And he gets this call. They're like, hey, you can come back to Rome, but you have to tutor the future emperor. And he says, OK, I'll basically do anything. I just want to come back. I can't make a difference here. Bring me back. 
So he starts tutoring this kid and uh, the kid's all right, but has some, you know, warning signs and he tutors the kid. And soon enough, the kid becomes emperor. Nero. Uh, and, and then power starts to go to this kid's head and mm. he shows who he really is. As mm. they say, power reveals, doesn't corrupt, power reveals. Now, suddenly Seneca finds himself the number one advisor to potentially the worst emperor who's ever lived. And that tension of like, well, what do I do? Do I quit in protest right. or do I use my influence to try to steer right. this guy or contain this guy? Right. right. Or like, he's like my other fellow Stoics, they're trying to assassinate this person. Yeah. Is that the right thing to do? But the last time we did that, Rome plunged into two back-to-back civil wars. Yeah. That wasn't great. And so Seneca is forced to make this impossible choice compromise. And we can criticize it all day long. He does ultimately stay in Nero's service, eventually turns against him and is killed for it. You can, you can look at that all day. But the point is that that was an immensely complex, impossible and courageous sort of it's, it's a really walk. it's a really interesting take on that history I, I i have been just preoccupied in the last like two years with the reconstruction era of the post-civil war mm-hmm. yeah, i backed into it through abraham lincoln i was fascinated with him as a person and then i found my way to frederick Douglass, who just literally scales fell from my eyes reading his stuff and, and then i backed into the reconstruction which i think is the most i i I think it's so horrible and so traumatic, we haven't even looked at it. We haven't even opened that totally. box yet properly. We're looking at slavery. We're not looking at Reconstruction. And that's where, as Frederick Douglass said, we the slaves gave up the lash for the shotgun. And people were killed indiscriminately. Black people were killed indiscriminately. And it's just, it's just the most horrific period of our history. And, I, and I've always um, – vilified Andrew Johnson, I, I thought. And, and of course, I, I see him through Frederick Douglass's eyes who – he just hated him and he was a racist. Yeah. And, and he was. He was all these things. But I started trying to sort of see the world through Andrew Johnson's eyes because I'm reading about him lately. And, and I found myself, I guess, scared. It took courage to look at it because I was like, ooh, yuck. And then, yeah. and then I was like, oh, I kind of see what he was thinking. He was thinking that if we allow the radical Republicans to actually enfranchise everybody, he knew the South and he knew there would be some sort of further rebellion. And he felt pragmatically that the cost was too great. And, and, he, and he actually – and he was a racist. So it was an easy thing for him to do, right? Sure. So, so he's like, you go, no, no, no. We'll, we'll get there, buddy. I'm your great father. I'm your great Moses. I'll lead you through. But we're not ready for it yet. And so he couldn't right the wrong all the way because these pragmatic – that maybe he was right because what happened was the most horrific thing ever. You know what I mean? I thought that we certainly didn't do it right or he set it up for that all to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I can't tell which. I can't tell which. No, Reconstruction is so tragic because it it seems like this pivot point in history where we potentially could have done the right thing. We started or, to. We started, we started to. to yeah. And then and then it gets derailed by like a hundred. You could even argue 150 years. So you're still dealing with the consequences. I, I believe that 100 percent. I believe that 100 percent. We, we haven't even begun to really reckon with that yet. And I read a really good book that you would like. Okay. It's a novel. I'm ready. It's called... I can't, I'm trying to find it. It's called A Fool's Errand. 
Oh. And it was about, uh, it was written actually by an advisor to Theodore Roosevelt, uh, a, a, a Republican who was, who was talking, it's basically a, a Union Civil War soldier after the war, go, he moves to the South. He moves to like Alabama, buys a plantation to be like, uh, like the way I have moved to the South myself, not a carpetbagger, but he tries to just, <laughs> he fell in love with the South while he was there and he yeah. tried to, to move there. Yeah. And he quickly realizes that these people who a year earlier had been willing to tear the union apart, they didn't change their mind right. because they lost. No, the they war. got worse. They're exactly. worse. Yeah. And, and, and so, then they started know, blaming. Then they started looking for scapegoats, which is the part that we really missed. Well, and, and, and so the whole book is about just sort of how anti-democratic these people really were and, uh. and how they resort to terror and violence and that, that they had a fundamentally different understanding of what America was. Um, and, and just the, it's a fascinating novel. It's, it's sort of it's, it's a couple hundred years old, so it's not super readable. But it was it was just so interesting to me to think about it that like this, these aren't matters of just like who's right, who's wrong. Right. It's what do you do when you're. Uh, when 60% of the population is right and 40% of the population is wrong, um, that's still millions of people who vehemently hold their beliefs short of outright violence and, uh, you know, at the point of a gun, which is effectively what the Civil War had to become. How do you govern that? And I think we've seen this during the pandemic. Like, what do you do when 80% of the population is roughly on board with, say, uh, COVID protocols, vaccines, et cetera, 20% of the population that's not just like uh, whatever, but sort of in vehement denial, right. let's say, of of the stuff. Right. Well, then you are effectively held hostage by those people. And and that that to me is what that period of America was, that was the majority of the union generally pro-civil uh, rights, sort of pro what the Civil War became. Yes, but the other side, although they were the minority, cared to such a deranged degree and was willing to destroy everything in the pursuit of that, that the country was paralyzed. And we I think we lacked courageous, effective leadership, Johnson being to me a good example of it, to be able to solve that problem. But but it's a common historical thing. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. I think you know that I'm an enthusiast. That uh, you know, th th because of COVID, people are used to using electronic mechanisms, Zoom, to have therapeutic sessions. And certainly, I think one of the most significant sources of resistance to therapy is the waiting room. And uh, with uh, BetterHelp, there is no waiting room. You just connect directly with your therapist. BetterHelp is customized online therapy, video, phone, even live chat sessions with your therapist. You don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to even. You certainly don't have to cross paths with someone in the waiting room. You don't have to be uncomfortable if that makes you uncomfortable to be in a room with a therapist. And it's more affordable than in-person therapy. You can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. You invest in everything else. Why not your mind? Why not your emotional health? And this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And the Dr. Drew Podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Drew. That is B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash D-R-E-W.
Well, you know that uh, health insurance doesn't always cover full cost of something like an emergency medical flight. Even with comprehensive coverage, you get hit with deductibles, co-pays. Protect your family, protect your finances with an Air MedCare Network membership. As a member, if an emergency arises, the expense of air medical transport is completely covered when flown by an AMCN provider. Membership costs as little as $85 a year and covers your entire household every day, even when you're away from home. That is just pennies a day, and we all know the unexpected can happen. An AMCN membership is protection no family should be without. And for a limited time, as a Dr. Drew podcast listener, you'll get up to a $50 e-gift card when you join, making the cost even less. Simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash Drew and use offer code Drew. Well, smoking cessation is the most important thing you can do for your health. In fact, fume is a natural way to quit smoking. I just put Dawson on it and told him to stop smoking. It'll replace the hand-to-mouth movement. There's these plant-packed cores that curb cravings. There's no smoking, no vaping, no nicotine, no weird harmful chemicals, and it's well designed so you can, you know, you don't have to hide it. Flavors that taste great work to curb cravings, ease stress, if you stop smoking, improve breathing. And if you're a smoker, the most important thing you do for your health, simply par none. The first five things you should be attending to is stopping smoking. And at breathe fume.com slash drew you can use the code drew to save 10 percent on your order today that is b-r-e-a-t-h-e-f-u-m one fume four packs of chorus they're all there to curve cravings and get you on the pack to being nicotine free so shop breathe fume and save 10 percent with the code drew that is breathefume.com slash drew to save 10 percent on your order today use the code drew you could just plug in today's. I think the numbers are closer to what they were to the Civil War today. Yeah, uh, and and we're doing exactly the wrong thing as they did then, which is really what that forty percent with their you know pushback. They're afraid. Yes. They're, they're scared. And so, what do you do to them? You start vilifying them, shaming them, telling them they're wrong, more more hardening. It's exactly the opposite of what you do to somebody's afraid. It's just it's we we. We did this during mm-hmm. HIV and AIDS, I and mean, we could—I don't want to get too deep into this—but we we learned it just then, like thirty years ago. We knew how to do it. We knew we the exact same thing happened during AIDS, and we just thrown it all out and have gone into ah. this weird frenzy, where, which is—I'm here to tell you—I'm about changing behavior. I'm about—I yeah. feel bad for those people that that are misguided. I, you should feel bad for them, not right. not angry with them. Bad. Well, for they them. are dying because of it. Yeah, I mean, they're bearing they, terrible they, consequences. It, 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 talking about courage. Don't make it about you. Don't worry that they're risking you. How about them? What they're doing to themselves and and the, the population that they're within are more at risk from what their choices are. And how about how about you even go? You know, I admire your sense of courage and your willingness to assert your freedom to have these ideas. But let's talk about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Start there, right? Don't go. Oh, you're bad. You're evil. You're terrible. You're killing people. The wrong move, everybody. Wrong move. It's- it's so hard, though. Uh, I know. I wrote, That's the point. <laughs> I, I wrote a piece about this that hasn't found a place yet uh, for reasons you can imagine. But I, I did a piece. I wanted to think about the courage of, say, not the vaccine hesitant, but the vaccine resistant. Right? Yeah, the people yeah, yeah, yeah. have sort of gone because, yeah. you know, take Kyrie Irving. Um, he's risking four hundred thousand dollars a day yeah. over principle. Yeah. That is an extraordinarily rare thing to That's do. That's right. You and- look at a school teacher who who won't who will get fired rather than vaccinated. That's a cr- 
courageous thing to do. And Correct. I put that in quotes That's- because it is literal courage, right? Yep. They're saying, I believe in this. Uh, you uh, hear the consequences. I'm willing to bear the consequences. Yeah. The problem is, at least in the, the context of the virtue of courage, is that courage in pursuit of an unjust or incorrect aim is not courage. So Robert E. Lee leaving, uh, you know, uh, leaving the union, leaving uh, his profession of a lifetime, leaving the country he loved to fight for the South. There's courage in that, but it's for the worst cause imaginable. And therefore, the, 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 the courage is hollow. And uh, Lord Byron, I quote him in the book, he says, "'Tis the cause makes all that hallows or degrades courage in its fall." And so it's all about what you're doing and in pursuit of. And so I really courage feel in its like fall, though courage in its fall. I, I mean, the I think backside you don't know till after. Yes, right. Yes. So the courage he had courage at the beginning, and it, it, turned, it was hollowed out by the circumstance. I guess I, the way I would look at it is it's it's like these people understand courage; mm. they know that it's important, but it's like their compass has gotten all yeah, demagnetized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. But again, it's it's the retrospectoscope that lets lets us make that judgment. In the moment, it's harder, and and so oh, that's so fascinating to me. I, I, I again, I, I have sympathy and empathy for these people, and, I, and I'm all about change, and I know how you do it. And starting from acknowledging that, acknowledging it took courage, acknowledging you have strong feelings, acknowledging where they're at, and then moving them off of that. Is is how you do it. It's how you do it, and uh, I, I mean, we're going the wrong way. But anyway, um, so uh, there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about. Still, I'm I'm I'm, I'm getting, <laughs> I, I I'm getting overwhelmed because I only only have like 25 more minutes with you. <laughs> I've got a bunch of stuff I want to talk about. Um, let me just ask this: uh, I have found I've um, you very kindly sent me an Amor Fati coin. Yes, and I find myself repeating that almost every day. Uh, I do it when I take my cold showers, mm-hmm. right? Uh, sure. It helps. doesn't work all the way. <laughs> it doesn't make the showers truly – make me love the showers. But I, I'm gra- grateful for what they do for me. Sure. Um, what do you repeat in your – Morfate is not just to uh, bear what is necessary but to love it. That is the right. Am I the only one who gets the impression that Adam looks down on you for that? That you should just just suffer. There should be no tool to make it easier. Um, it, it's it's not designed. I don't say it to myself to make it easier. I say it to to affirm my commitment to it that it's good. You understand? It, it, it and and I, maybe it's my brain trying to love it. You know, it doesn't yeah. love it, and, and it doesn't. You know, but I still it affirms my desire. I just, I just, to do I've it. seen him look at you sideways when you talk about that, as though having any anything that goes along with it, yeah. is unpure. You maybe let me bring it up today. I don't know. I'm in, I was just I was wondering. It's an if interesting you felt thought. I don't feel that way, but but I I miss lots of things that you feel. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so do I. So. I, I I feel like like so I'm in the middle of this book and it's sort of kicking my ass now and it's hard. The temperance, I try to, the, the temperance book. Yeah, and yeah. and that it's that uh, I'm not even halfway done with the series. You know, like the idea that I'm I I know what the next several years of my life will be and that it will be very hard mm-hmm. almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um. What I've been trying to remind myself and what I often do is I go like, it's good that it's hard because if it was easy, everyone would do it. Right. 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 And if everyone did it, not only would it not be impressive, but also there would be no scarcity in it. Like there would be no value in it. And so it's good that it's hard. Right. The hard is what's creating the value and uh, the, the, the meaning. Do they have a specific aphorism that you call upon? 
or is it just the, the attitude? Uh, I, so so the, the two big ones that I love from the Stoics are Amor Fati and Memento Mori, mm. which I think actually work in concentration or in, in, in concert with each other. Um, Amor Fati meaning embrace it, love it, make the most of it. Memento Mori meaning you could die at any moment. Life is short. To me, that's part of the reason. Like Like people who are like, you know, COVID has been a lost year or like this has really hurt us and our family. This sucks, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm not saying that it, that I would have chosen this, but I'm saying it did happen. So I'm focusing on how do I make this like the best thing that ever happened to me? The, the famous Stockdale paradox is um, I have to accept it unflinchingly. He said, this is what he says from a, a prisoner of war camp in Vietnam. I have to accept it unflinchingly, but also never give up my belief that if I survive, I will make this the best thing that ever happened to me. Oof. The best thing that ever happened to me. I, 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 that's a, I, I, cause I, I have tried to adopt a similar attitude during COVID. However, I still have deep resentment that it stole a lot from me. I'm angry. Sure. And, sure. and, and that's not the best thing that will ever happen to me. <laughs> so, so it's hard for me to take it all the way to that point. Ryan froze again. Hold on. There you're back. Okay, go ahead. I'm back. Yeah. You said it stole a lot from you. It stole a lot from me. It's hard for me then to think of it as the best thing that ever happened. It 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 stole it stole. I guess the Stoics would say like, what did it steal, or what did you consent to have stolen? Right. So so like yes, COVID put in forth uh, put forth all these constraints. Uh, it it affected all these changes. But still, day to day, we choose what we do within those constraints. So like, if you had told me in January of 2020, no travel for speaking, no in person meetings. The bookstore that you just poured your life savings to is not going to be able to open. Oh. Uh, uh, no people could buy books in bookstores. Your stock market portfolios, you know, all, all the things. Yeah. I would have said, well, that's an unmitigated disaster. No, no thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, thank you. But now looking at it, you know, 18 months later, I see what I've written. I see the uninterrupted, like I, I spent... 540 consecutive nights with my kids. Like I did 540 consecutive bedtimes. Yeah. I would have never had that in ordinary circumstances. Right. And I will almost certainly never get that again. Right. Right. So I think about, you know, the time I spent outside, I think about all the things that I did. So, so COVID took some things from me, Yeah. Um, but, but it also gave me certain things or I chose to make certain things of it that to me, that's, that's what we focus on. Yeah, I completely get it. Um, hold on one second. My wife sends me an emergency text. <laughs> That's never good. Okay. Uh, whatever. I, I'm a, <laughs> a more fati. <laughs> Not just to bear it, but to love it. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm going to go back to my own feelings about COVID. Is, is there... There's, you're, you're right. A, a lot has been given, but a lot has been taken away. Sure. Is, is there a way to focus on the gratitude for the gift? I, like, for instance, I, I feel really – I'm very resentful that I didn't get the vaccine before I got sick. Uh, the sickness was bad, the COVID for me, it, and I'm aware that it's kind of taken a, maybe a step out of my you know stride. Sure. Um, and and I'm working hard to overcome that, and that has been good. I've got a bunch of benefits from that working hard to overcome the long haul stuff. Uh, but still, I'm 
I feel like is a, you know it hurt. It's like getting hit in the head. It's a bad injury, and and I'm resentful for having gone through that. It didn't have to happen, and I'm, I, I got that yeah, stuck in my of head. And, and so, how do you get over those? I mean, resentment is really sort of what we're talking about here, I suppose, or, or regrets. Yeah. No. And 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 it's I don't want to be flip about like, hey, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. When seven hundred thousand people have died, like yeah. if you told me, right. hey, Ryan, I'm going to take two manuscripts that you've written away, right. and it can save. Uh, three quarters of a million lives. I mean, I would, of course, right. give up the productivity and the time with my family to right. do that. So I'm, I'm not being flip about it, but I think for you, I, I guess what the Stoics might focus on is like, how can I use this? Like, So one of the benefits, of course, of being a writer is that everything that happens to you is fuel, right? Every, everything that happens to you can be turned into material. Right. But you as a as a public figure, as a... Uh, as a thought leader, as a personality, um, sure. Would you have chosen to skip long haul COVID? Of course. But has it presented opportunities for you to be of service, to teach, to explain, um, to communicate? Like, you know, again, if I said, okay, Dr. Drew, you have long haul COVID, but by nature of having it and talking about it, you convince t- ten or a hundred yes. or a thousand other people. Yes, you know you're you're right. You you're so right because when, when I was sick, that's what I was thinking. How can I make this purposeful? Because this uh, sucks. And and people are like, what are you doing? You're getting out of camera sick. It was one of the single best things I've ever done. I, I I knew it in the moment. I knew it would help. And and I just thought I have to. They're not teaching people about monoclonal antibodies and all this stuff, steroids and things that you can do to avoid the hospital. We have to get out there. And if I look shitty, so much the better. It's, this thing sucks. Sure. You should learn about that too. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for that. That actually, you know, it's funny. Just that one thing reframes me a little bit. And, and this is this is back to the cognitive dissonance and, and you know, the framing that – stoicism in a weird way was a way of just dealing with cognitive dissonance and, and our cognitive glitches that are in our brain, Right. I think it's about using our rational mind to rise above those sort of. But, but our rational brain is what gives us these cognitive distortions. There's glitches yeah. in our rational mind, and stoicism is sort of like the antivirus protection uh, against uh, uh, the, the the cognitive distortions. Well, and that's what's so interesting about it. So sometimes, like sometimes, the, co- the the Stoics will say, "Zoom and you can, way you can, in," and you can use that. I think that's a good c- construct mm-hmm. for stoicism. Well, so so sometimes the Stokes will be like, you got to zoom way in, look at this at a granular level, and then you'll have perspective. Yeah. But then other times they say, zoom way out, see it in the light of eternity, right? See it in the, and people will go, but this is a contradiction. Yeah. And it's like, yes, different diseases, different viruses require different treatments. Yeah. And so stoicism is really, I think, a set of exercises as opposed to a one, two, three, four, five step process. It's a set of tools. Sometimes you need a flathead. Sometimes you need a Phillips. Sometimes you need a jackhammer. You know, sometimes you need a whatever. Um, you need different tools to solve different cognitive or emotional problems. And for those of you that aren't uh, super familiar with philosophy, Stoicism gets slammed for not being philosophical enough, for not being a philosophical system. And Ryan, I think you had two or three appearances on Partially Examined Life, a show I've been on. I've had some of the guys on here. It's my favorite philosophy podcast. I do recommend it. But they were kind of – just slightly disdainful of Stoicism, I would say, playfully disdainful, uh, because mm-hmm. it wasn't an inclusive philosophical system. It was just a way of living. And and you argued is that as if that's a tiny thing. Yeah, right. And you were arguing, isn't that what philosophy is all about? <laughs> so right. 
Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, so back to your process uh, in writing these books. Uh, I think – I don't know if I read an article that you were in or maybe it was the opening paragraphs of this book on how you do this. You yeah. Know, you're, you're writing – talk to people about that because I thought that was fascinating. It, it sort of inspired me a little bit, how you how you come up with all these aphorisms and, and the stories and things that are pertinent to the topics. So for people who aren't familiar with my books, basically I take philosophical ideas, courage, temperance, uh, ego, whatever it is, and then I I dissect it and illustrate it via stories. Did I lose you again? Sorry. No, no, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I illustrate it uh, via story. So I tell stories. So I'm really dependent on stories, quotes, ideas, images, et cetera. Which, which by um, the way, so, would make the book so vivid and great. But go ahead. Continue. No, so, so for me, it's about collecting and gathering that material. And I learned this as a research assistant for Robert Greene. Uh, Robert just sort of showed me this system of note cards. So I'm always reading, uh, and then I'm detailing that stuff on note cards, which then goes into gathering the material. And actually, it's funny. A couple of years ago, I gave a speech at the Reagan Library, and uh, they let me go through his archives a little bit. This is what he did. He developed this first as a spokesperson, and then he was the head of the union, mm-hmm. and then he was governor. But he would keep these binders full of note cards, and that's where his sort of folksy stories and quotes and anecdotes and, and statistics, like a speechwriter would give him a talk, and it would be all policy, all business. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, no, 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 no. Like, go to the, go to the binder, look at page 32, there there's the the story that we're going to open this speech with. And I sort of have that. You know, it's Joan Rivers did the same thing with comedy. She had, she had literally like library, those old index files of cards. Joan Rivers had, com, you know, think, things she thought of comedic thoughts indexed that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you move those pieces around. You build an hour. It's like these 50 note cards become the set. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Your health goal shouldn't focus just on a number and a scale or pant size. You want to feel good. You want to look your best. That's why USANA Health Sciences created USANA Active Nutrition. To line up, well, it's a positive health journey you want, right? Products for weight management, digestive health, energy, hydration. The line is gluten-free and made with natural ingredients. USANA gave me a box of active nutrition products along with being delicious. They're made with high-quality ingredients backed through research. And they have been trusted by thousands of Olympic and professional athletes around the world. Some of the new exciting products you'll find at USANA's Active Nutrition line include the convenient peanut butter snack bar, which I dig, electrolyte replacement drinks, which you know I am big on, detox tea for gut health, metabolism, and metabolism support. Visit USANA.com to see each active nutrition product for yourself. Make sure you use the promo code PODCAST15 at checkout to save 15% on your active nutrition order. This promotion is for new retail customers only. Some product restrictions may apply. Support your life in motion with USANA Active Nutrition. Well, if you like free stuff, you are in luck because Buy Optimizer's Black Friday deal starts now. And not only are they giving you huge discounts all month long, they're also giving away over $200 worth of free gifts. That's right. I have an exclusive advance invite to Buy Optimizer's Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals for the entire month of November. This is the best sale of the year. If you're stressed out or haven't been sleeping well, you are not alone. Look what's going on in the world. You might not be able to change all the chaos, but you can start supplementing with one key nutrient that could help improve your sleep quality. 600 other biochemical reactions are affected as well. 
I remember when I was a resident, as I've said to you many times, my fellow was always beating on me about the importance of magnesium. And most magnesium supplements are failed because they're synthetic and not full spectrum. When you get all seven forms of magnesium, all the functions are affected. Right now, for the entire month of November, the makers of Magnesium Breakthrough, that of course is Bioptimizers, are having a Black Friday Cyber Monday blowout sale on their best-selling magnesium. All month long, you'll get 10% off with our unique code plus access to over $200 in free gifts, including books and more of their best-in-class products to sample. Best time to stock up is now and take advantage of all the free extras you're going to get. I have been recommending this product this year, of course, but I've never seen discounts like they have this month. Not to mention the amazing bonus gifts they're giving away of extra products, books, and other amazing limited-time specials. You can only get this exclusive deal through our link. For our Dr. Drew podcast listeners, you won't find this on Amazon or even the Bioptimizers website. Go to magbreakthrough.com slash Drew. Use code Drew 10 to get your discount and free gifts. Again, that is magbreakthrough.com slash Drew and then code Drew 10 And you should know that all Bioptimizer supplements are best in class. If for some reason you feel differently, you can get a full refund up to one year after your purchase. No questions asked. Again, right now, the exclusive deal available at magbreakthrough.com slash true with code DrDrew10. Do it now while supplies last and don't miss the November 30th deadline. And I wonder I wonder what Abraham – I think Abraham Lincoln's file cabinet was in his head. Sure. Because he would, he, would, he would do – is uh, back when he was a so-called postmaster, he really just was a failed retailer is really what he was. And it just so happened that the retail general stores is where the post comes in. You'd have to be a postmaster to, to be a store owner. And he failed every store he did. I mean, they were just impossible. The, the, the risks of opening a retail store back then were ridiculous. And they sort of expected to fail because that's just what they happened. But, but it was almost a community obligation to provide services you know, and goods for the community. Uh, but he um, he would get up at that those stores every chance he got, and he'd just start talking to people. And he's time two people were there, he'd just start going with with ideas and talking, and 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 it became how he organized his speeches that became so famous. I love that. No, to me, it's all about the power of story. You teach through story, not through lecturing or through facts. You you illust- you show rather than tell. And I would argue that you know even in medical training, uh, we have the case. We look at cases. That's how we really right. – that's called experiential learning is cases and, and seeing what happens to people and how it plays out. Uh, and I, I, it's funny until you mentioned this this moment. Oh, you're frozen. There you are. Um, I'm a little resistant to narrative for some reason because I'm a scientist. But but I am very connected to experiential learning and cases. That's sort of how I learn most vividly. I think it's both. You have to combine yeah, the two. You have to both. have the yeah. rigor and then the uh, the storytelling to 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 communicate the yeah. rigor. Yeah, and I've noticed uh, that in your stories, uh, there's certain players that come around more than once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of course, you've already mentioned Seneca, and there's you know the usual Stoic players. But uh, I'm actually interested how frequently U.S. Grant shows up. Uh, he shows up a lot, and 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 I, and the reason I'm interested is not so much that he's, you know, the, the only player in your in your series by any means, but that I came to him at the same time as I think the Obstacles of the Way came out. I think I was reading yeah. the Grant biography at the same time as Obstacles of the Way came out, and he figured large into a couple of the stories there that spoke very vividly to me because I was reading about the context of all that at the time. What do you think it is about that guy? 
Because well, I, I, I fully embrace – wherever you bring him in, I think, God, it is so vividly illustrative of the point you're making. I think he is a uniquely American figure. I mean, he comes from nothing. He's sort of quiet and unassuming. He comes from the West. You know, he's one of the first great figures of the American that comes from the West and just dominates the East, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, So there's a greatness there. Um, he also has sort of tragic flaws as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what I love about Grant and what when I'm thinking about figures, like when I write about Churchill, it's it's fun because everyone sort of admires Churchill or for the most part, people admire Churchill. Yeah. Grant, you know, because of the reconstruction stuff we were talking about, Grant has an underrated reputation. Correct, correct. And he's, he's not as familiar with people. And so I always yeah. love the opportunity to take someone that people think they know uh. or didn't think they should know and be like, let me tell you about this guy. Oh, good. That's nice. And he 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 deserves a, a place way up in the lexicon of American history. I mean, way up. He's also a great fucking writer. Like, if you read his memoir, you're like, what? You won the Civil War and then you wrote this book? Like, Well, didn't he that, write it most of it when he was sick? He had throat cancer. And he was cancer. dying. He was writing he was a lot of dying it. Dying breaths. Yeah. His dying breaths, he writes this memoir. And I mean, just to think about how good it, it was so good. That for many, many years, there was the rumor that Mark Twain ghost wrote it. Wow. Have that's you, how good it was. I, so you – I've not read his biography. I think that's my next charge. I think I have to read yeah. it. And, and is there – is some of those stories that you pull from his biography or are they from other – All know? those stories are in there. He was uh, just a great storyteller. Wow. Um, the, I tell the, the wolves story in this book. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the story about uh, you know him. Uh, he, he's, he's marching after this Confederate general – he goes, he thinks they're about to clash, and then that guy's run away, and he realizes, like, the other guy's scared, too. Right. You know, yeah, he just has so many great stories. Right. So, some of his early stuff in the Mexican-American War speak loudly to me, too, because that was where – talk about courage. That, that was almost heedlessness. That was his alcoholism. Yes. I, I look at those stories and go, oh, that's his alcoholism. That's, <laughs> he got turned on by those extreme circumstances. Crazy stuff. Yeah, and Sherman's memoir is also very good, yeah. and and I love their friendship. I'm just fascinated. Yeah, by I, it. I am too. That com- that that figured into the Johnson stories quite a bit because mm-hmm. Johnson was actually impeached for I forget the name of the act, but essentially uh, uh, Stanton, the Secretary of War, that was so instrumental in the Civil War, he fired him. Uh, Johnson yeah. fired him, and there had been some legislation that required changes in the cabinet to be approved by the Senate, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what he got impeached on. That's primarily what he got yeah. impeached on. And by the way, Stanton did not step down. And Grant was told to go arrest him and bring him down. He wouldn't. Then Sherman was asked to do it, and he wouldn't. And so Sherman was there. You know, that friendship figured again. Uh, well, because, you know, so people thought Grant was a drunk. And then uh, Sherman was probably bipolar or had mm-hmm. some some manic tendencies. Yep. And so the, the joke was that uh, I think Sherman said this. I stuck by Grant when he was drunk, and he stuck by me when I was crazy. And <laughs> and so they they had they had this sort of bond formed uh, in their in their mutual adversity. And, and so let's end with this conversation because it's I don't, it's not really about stoicism, but people with extraordinary brains, whether they be because of intellect or bipolar disorder or addiction, uh, figure prominently in the history of the world, uh, and. We are in a phase right now that's writ large again. Uh, what, what? I guess I don't really have a question. It's more of an observation because there, there it was in history then, and here we are now again. What should we all be doing? What? What? Do you have, does, is there any prescriptive uh, from Stoicism to help us out 
forget COVID, just all the the tribalism and the and the the strong feelings and the, everything being political and people unable to con- talk. Certainly, that was going on in Rome at the time when those guys. Worse, were, yeah, worse, yeah, they'd kill each other. So, so there's two two quotes from Marcus Aurelius. So one, and I realize he said this during the Antonine plague, right? He said, um, uh, "There's two kinds of plagues." He's like, there's the one that destroys your life, but a worse one is the one that destroys your character. Mm. And I wonder if he was talking about the people that we're seeing now on both sides, this sort of vindictive overreaction uh, to COVID, uh, the shaming and the, you know, uh, and, and, the, and, the, and the excesses. And then conversely, the sort of like, why should I have to care about anyone else? This yes. isn't real. You yes. know, yes. Um, both of those are, are corrosive yes. uh, character issues. Yes. And they're both. And when you talk to those people, you can sense there is a sickness there, especially on the extreme end of the yes. sort of COVID yes. denial. Uh, oh, You're I, like, no, ever, I see it I'm, because I sit in the middle. I see it um, vividly, vividly on both sides. Some sides may be louder and more mm, troubling, but there really are on both sides. Same thing. And and, and I. Uh, the idea of discussing character is sort of, again, something that people feel resistant to doing these days. And I, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. Should we be discussing character? Is that what we should – is that the – Of course. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean I think we should be talking about – we should be talking about virtue. We should be talking about what are the standards that we hold ourselves to. So that, – and that leads perfectly to the, the final quote from Marcus. He says, the fruit of this life is good character and acts for the common good. So – individually getting your own shit together, the standards you hold yourself to, the things that are in your control. And then once you have that, what are you doing? How are you deploying that in a way that is good for everyone? And to me, that's kind of that. That's such a great dictum to be like, that's what my life, that's what I'm building my life around. And easy words to say. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, and, and particularly the getting the shit together part, which is what I've spent my life doing, not myself, helping other people try to get their shit together. And it's, yeah. it's hard. It is hard. And, and and it's been – and I think that may be why there's been such corrosion lately because it has been really – it's not been a good 30 or 40 years in our families and educational systems. It's been, it's been maybe worse than we know. And and that's sort of being played out. And I I, I unfortunately feel like in order to get everyone to – to hang on to Marcus Aurelius's dictum there is we need some sort of common cause, threat, something, right? Uh, I, and you would I, hope that COVID could be that, right? I mean, no, this is the crisis the opposite, of, yeah. of our lifetime and opposite, it did the opposite, opposite, which is really scary. Yeah, opposite. Hmm. I'm going to think on this. Well, Ryan, always great to talk to you. Uh, as I mentioned at the outset, I, I called immediately. I said, "This is the this is a great book. You've got to everyone's got to get this book." And then I immediately uh, then I immediately saw you on Twitter going, "I have to sign ten thousand books." And I, then I got book envy. Then, then I went the other way. I was like, "Why can't I sign ten thousand books?" <laughs> uh, I'll trade places with you anytime. Ten thousand books. Uh, I, my hand barely works. Well, good for you. I, it, it, ten thousand. Uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of people need to read this. So I, I trust they will. Okay. It's I avail- hope so too. Available on Amazon. It's an easy read. It's a good read. If, if you have not uh, been exposed to Ryan's books, this is a good one to get in with. It's a it's a nice easy read. I do not skip the introduction. That is an important part of the whole setting. Um, and then what you will do is you'll read the obstacles the way. That's what you'll do after that. <laughs> and if you've read the obstacles the way, uh, you know what's coming in the Courage book. It, it's it it piles on. Um, I I did not. There's things about your history. I'm Gary. 
hold out for me? Like you, you, you left college, which I didn't know because uh, I saw you when you were in college. And I just assumed. Yeah, I dropped out right after we yeah, met. It's crazy. Uh, I, I did not know that, but we'll t- we can. We've done your history before. We'll do it yes. again sometime. Uh, but just thanks for coming by. That. Congratulations on the book, and we'll talk and hopefully get together soon. Yeah, you guys are the best. All right, Ryan, take care. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. 